Hello and welcome again to the Rexburg Love podcast, broadcasting once more from deep within inside Rexburg, Idaho. I'm your host, Rexburg Love, and we're bringing you yet another wonderful interview today. I'm very excited about this one. I first met this person at the, uh, the rallies on the BYU-Idaho campus after some honor code debacle that we will be covering uh, hopefully a little bit here in this interview, maybe a lot in this interview. But to start off, we want to... Uh, I guess just dive right in and get the story of this wonderful individual. So, uh, Gray, thank you for joining me today on the Rexburg Love Podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Great. Now, uh, we do like to make sure that those who listen know how to uh, address the person being interviewed. So, uh, do you have any specific pronouns or identity you'd like to share beforehand? Um, I go by Gray, but I actually don't have any preferred pronouns. I really don't care. It just kind of lands on she, her, and I'm totally fine with that. So. Sounds great. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I guess let's start out just hearing a little bit about your life story, uh, your your younger life growing up, maybe a little bit of your family life and your relationship to the church and, and anything else you want to share. Yeah, um, I was born and raised in Denver, Colorado my whole life. Um, never moved, same house, my whole life. Um, I was born into the church, baptized at eight, classic, you know. Um, how many life, kids in your family? I'm the youngest of four, so there's six of us. Okay. But life growing up was um, pretty simple. Like, I had the white picket fence, like, life, um, we were comfortable. That part of my life was not hard. Um, but once I got into high school, I kind of realized, like, I am not attracted to men. That is when things kind of took a turn. And I always kind of knew... And it's funny, like, being gay, you look back to when you're, like, in elementary school, and you're like, I was so gay, and I didn't realize. But, yeah, going through high school is when life got kind of hard for me. Um, I distanced myself from my family a lot. Um, I was lying all the time, mostly because, like, I felt like anything I said about where I was or who I was with was somehow going to lead to them finding out my sexuality. So my family life got rough, and that's completely my fault. And then... um, I came up to Brigham Young University, Idaho. Um, I didn't ever want to go here, but my family told me like it was the only school they pay for. So in high school, I kind of gave up. Like I knew I was coming here. I didn't really care to try. I didn't apply for scholarships. This was the only school I applied to. Got in, I came. And I really kind of hated it. (laughs) It was really, really cold. Colder than Colorado my first time here. Um, I was so different. It was 2015 when I came here. I was so, so different. Long hair. I was overcompensating by being super feminine. You know, I would dress in Calvin Klein, Ralph Lauren. Like that was what I went to to hide the fact that I didn't want to be that person. Um, and since then, my relationship with the church really, really struggled. Um, I never really found myself really believing in it. Then coming up here, it only got worse because the culture made it worse. So I have since parted ways with the church. Um, I actually tried to take my records out, but as I was doing it, they changed the rules where you have to have it notarized now. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that for months. I was like, why are my records still in the church? And then I found out and I just haven't gotten around to it. But I would say I'm not LDS anymore. But I'm still up in Rexburg. I was expelled from BYU-Idaho after being suspended three times for um, homosexual behavior, 
um, parties that I was at that didn't drink at, but I was at them, so I was still kicked out, and then alcohol as well later. So all that stuff is literally on my Twitter. So open about it, I don't mind. But um, I stayed here to change the LGBT community and make it better for everyone. I was USGA president when I was expelled, so I decided to stick around and try and help a little bit. So that's was kind of my life. Um, I came out in the day gay marriage was legalized, actually. That's when I came out. Oh, wow. My, my parents had a really, really hard time with it. Um, but we're totally fine now. They're great. Um, they don't understand it, but they try. It was rough for a really long time. Like, when I first got a girlfriend and I was, like, acting on it, um, that's when it was really, really hard, which was, like, four months after the fact that I came out. That's when, like, um, I wasn't really going home. I wasn't really allowed to go home. We've since mended and everything, but I, I think I've, like, really been through it all, like, wow. with the gay experience, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. That, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to hear so much uh, more about that experience. So do you mind if we uh, go back to kind of your teenage years? Uh, you, you said it was around that time that you started realizing that you weren't uh, heterosexual, right? Yes. Um, I was probably a sophomore when I realized. And then junior year, I had your typical um straight girl crush on my best friend so okay that's when I realized and we've since talked about it and it's actually really funny now but um that's when I really realized and I didn't come out to anyone until I graduated and then I came out to my other best friend of the time and then after that I came out to a boy I was dating <laughs> so and we stayed dating um we actually got pretty serious um, because I really wanted to try and stay in the church at the time. And so, yeah, I dated men all through high school, even though I kind of knew. So. so so, at the nexus of this revelation as a teenager, uh, what was your understanding as a member uh, it, around sexuality and, and, and gayness? I don't really know that I thought about the church's stance directly, but more my family and what they thought the church's stance was. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what was that? Um, that it was wrong. <laughs> and okay. that like, I would be the reason my family couldn't get sealed eternally. And like, I wouldn't make it to heaven with them. And so I did feel a lot of guilt, but it also was hard because I didn't necessarily believe in the church. Okay. So it was like, my family believes this and I don't want to break their hearts kind of a thing for me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess that brings up a, a good question. Uh, did you ever, it, a question I've asked a few times on this podcast is, as members of the church, we hear a lot about Moroni's promise, getting your own testimony, that type of thing. Uh, did you ever put the church to the test in that way? Did you ever have a real solidifying testimony moment growing up? I think, I think people did. I really do. But for me, I think I pretended that I did. Yeah. Uh, like I would tell people like, I felt the spirit so well at girls camp, but I never really did. And yeah. I wanted to convince myself or like EFY, I'd go to EFY and be like, that was so spiritual, but I never really left like, feeling good about it so it was really complicated 
And when I came up to school, I really wanted to try and have my own testimony, but it just, it wasn't there for me ever. Okay. So then uh, as a, as a teenager who's starting to come to grips with their own sexuality, uh, as you were progressing through high school and you're starting to think about colleges, uh, how did, how did BYU-Idaho fall in the radar for you? Just my parents. It was the only school they'd pay for. My brother went to BYU-Idaho and he's like the golden child, served the mission, got married, perfect. And then my other sister as well. And then my oldest sister went to Provo. Um, so I just was like, following the family legacy I guess I didn't I was so scared of coming out that I just did everything they wanted me to do so they wouldn't ever guess okay so would you say fear then was a pretty big motivator towards that yeah for sure and I also just lost motivation in high school and BYU is really easy to get into so (laughs) (laughs) that's all though yeah no that's fair um so, but you said you had gone to EFY a few times. So had you already been up to Rexburg then as a high schooler? No, um, I went to EFY in Provo, but I okay. was up here a lot because my brother and sister went here. So gotcha. I did it a lot and I hated Rexburg every time I came up here. <laughs> so I okay. never liked it. <laughs> I, I, I got to hear more about that. So as a teenager coming up to visit siblings, what did you hate about it? I thought it was so boring. I thought there was no diversity. I would literally just sleep in my sister's apartment. My other sister came up from Vegas once and met us here and we hated our lives together. And we still joke about it to this day, like how boring that trip was. They're just, it was like, do you want to go to Carrie Ann's again? Maybe Kiwi Grove? <laughs> like it was so boring. And that was 10 years ago. So yeah. it was way more boring, way different. Like North Point didn't exist. Half of the activities, like the escape rooms didn't exist. So it was so different. Yeah. I, uh, I graduated high school around the, in the early aughts here. And so that was almost 20 years ago. And yeah, it was even worse back then. So. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so you decided to come up to, uh, to BYU-Idaho. Sorry, I almost called it Rick's there for a second. I'm thinking too far back. Um, <laughs> So uh, how, how was your, your time coming to Rexburg first? What, what was your first track? Um, I was here winter 2015, and <laughs> it was okay. Like, I didn't hate my classes or anything, but I lived in the dorms, which a lot of people here don't know existed. They were torn down after that. But I lived in, I think, I want to say Chapman, but no, I'm probably wrong. I think it's Provo. Yeah, I don't remember what they're called even, but I lived there right next to the Smith. No, the Snow. Wait, the Smith, the Smith building. And I (laughs) fell in love with my next door neighbor. Okay. (laughs) Also my best friend at the time. So that is kind of where things really took a turn. Okay. And then I was up here in spring and the next spring is when I came out. Okay. So do you want to, are you comfortable at all expounding on what that was like to be going here to a church college and uh, starting to live in your skin like that? Oh my gosh, it was so uncomfortable. Um, This is also back when I had long hair, like I passed as a straight woman and it was fine that way, but I had only told two people that I was probably gay is how I would put it, probably gay. And 
finally I told the girl that I had a crush on that I had a crush on her and she was like I think I'm bi so it went really well like my first experience up here wasn't terrible and um that was good and then I told my roommates and that was bad one yeah. of them, one of them wouldn't come home anymore she would go across the courtyard and stay at their house all the time she was from Colorado so I thought like oh Colorado we're all liberal but apparently not and that was really weird and probably my first uncomfortable experience somebody told the bishop mm. I had to have weekly meetings with my bishop and how were those he honestly was so nice I have since Good. had terrible ones but he was like you deserve to be at this school um, he was great. I don't think he's here anymore, but he actually made me feel a lot more comfortable in my own skin. So I was really lucky with him. But yeah, that's what well, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't even imagine what that experience experience would be like. But uh, it seems to me like having at least that warmth from and someone who's a leader over you at the time, you know, uh, some some position of authority would probably be pretty comforting. Yeah. And he wouldn't make me go to church because I felt really uncomfortable at church. And he told me it was fine. And he didn't pull my endorsement or anything. It was just weird because before I was called into the bishop's office, he called in all my friends and asked them, like, is she gay? And nobody would tell me what was going on until my neighbor went in. And she was like, it's about you. He thinks you're suffering from same gender attraction, which is so annoying to say. But um, for that time, it went really well. Uh, let's, if you don't mind, let's take a moment with that term, uh, because I feel like a lot of people in the area are pretty used to hearing it put that way, mm -hmm. suffering from same gender attraction, or they have a same gender attraction. What are your thoughts on, on that phrasing and that, that terminology? I think it's really damaging. Um, How so? It, it sounds like a diagnosis. Like there's something mentally wrong with me, which I guess some people would argue that there is. But the suffering part is the part that I really don't like because I'm not suffering from same gender attraction. I am suffering from pretending to be straight when I am gay. And that's the really hard part for me is being gay isn't something that people suffer from. It is only the culture that makes someone suffer. So, but yeah, it does sound like I'm suffering from depression or anxiety. Like they're not related. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that definitely makes sense. And I'm really glad that you put it that way. So when you're starting to have these meetings with ecclesiastical leaders and uh, confrontations with roommates, uh, it, did you have that same viewpoint then? Or did you, did you buy into the narrative that you were suffering from something that could be fixed? I always hated it. But I would okay. always use that terminology for the sake of the language of the time here. You didn't really say gay yet. Um, but I knew I was gay. I knew I was lesbian. And I hated saying it to other people. But for the sake of church leaders and wanting to respect them, I would say it. I never said the word suffering, though. I just awesome. would say, like, same gender attraction. I'm attracted to the same sex. Things like that. Awesome. So then, you know, before the coming out, and even after the coming out, uh, as, as someone who lives in the area, you hear quite a bit from people anytime something hits mainstream news, you know, Prop 8 or uh, Queer, Queer Eye has been re-released or, it, you know, things like that. Uh, did, you, did you ever have 
a difficult time overhearing conversations that happen here in Rexburg around those things, knowing who you were? Um, I think when it came to mainstream stuff, I really pulled away from people. I wasn't in a lot of social groups. Um, but I do remember one time when I worked for the school, I was on the upholstery team and they would only hire women because women are just better at cleaning is what he told me. <clears throat> and we were driving around the truck one day and he was talking about how this girl wouldn't go on a date with him. And he was like, she must be gay. Like, there's no way she wouldn't go out with me, which is so annoying. And then the girl next to me was like, gay people in Rexburg? That doesn't exist. And I'm sitting there like, what do I, like, do I, am I just the only one here? It felt very isolating. But as far as like, mainstream things i don't really know i had really any, any experience with that until probably caitlin jenner okay but that semester all my roommates were really cool and i came out to them one of my roommates they were like the first roommates it was that spring semester i came out came out publicly and i came out to them before that and one of my roommates had a gay brother so and she was from san francisco and she really helped and so when caitlin jenner did that whole thing um they were really like, did you hear about Caitlyn Jenner? They never referred to her as her dead name. They never like said, they asked me questions and they'd want to learn. And That's so, awesome. I am also lucky in that experience, honestly. But as far as like Prop 8 and Queer Eye, I don't really think I had much experience with that with people at the time. Okay. Did you ever have any, uh, any experiences with uh, professors, teachers, institute, anything like that where the discussions came up? Yeah, um, <laughs> eternal families, which I feel like every gay person here will roll their eyes at. Um, the f I had to take that class three times. I could never get through it. The first time <laughs> I went to eternal families, the first thing on the board was there's man and then there's womb man who is there to please men, to which I grabbed my bag and I walked out and I was like, maybe next semester. And then the next semester, <clears throat> I took it with my ex, <laughs> my ex boyfriend. So that was wonderful because he had just come back from his mission. He knew I was gay. He knew I was dating a girl, and we talked about um, how gay people are gonna go to hell. We're the equivalent of pedophiles, and he's just looking at me like, and it just was so awkward. And I didn't say anything. I wasn't comfortable at the time. But yeah, there are some professors that are really, really bad here. I don't feel like I got the worst, but I definitely <clears throat> didn't have a great experience with that. So real quick, uh, for any of our listeners who either haven't had that class yet or never attended college here, uh, explain to us what that Eternal Families class is. Um, Eternal Families goes over the family proclamation, which talks about marriages between a man and a woman only. So you you in detail cover why same-sex attraction isn't okay and the gender binary and how and how there's only two genders according to them and it's very it's a religion-based class and that's it there's no science behind it it's just scripture based like the textbook is literally your scriptures so wow. okay <laughs> <clears throat> yeah that uh, uh the, the, that that sounds like quite a challenge, especially for someone in, in your shoes. So you, you said you had to take that class three times? Yeah, I could, I could not get through it. 
I kept walking out. I kept dropping it. Like, it just was so hard for me. And it's required, so I had to take it. I yeah. finally came online and got through it. But, yeah, it was absolutely terrible. I can't believe it's required. So Wow. That's that's surprising to me. Um, you mentioned the first time you walked out was seeing that on the board. Do you remember the things that caused you to drop it the the next few times? Um, I think knowing that that conversation was coming up, like the same gender attraction topic was coming up, was really, really hard for me. I always got really anxious because I didn't want conversion therapy packets thrown around. Like I just, I would just drop it before it even got to that point. Yeah. So you said you started college here in 2015? Yes. Okay. So then uh, November 2015, uh, when the, it, so it, for, for anybody who doesn't know that infamous date in Mormondom, um, could you explain to us kind of what happened on it, around that time and, and your reaction and feelings towards it? I was in my first gay relationship. We had just started dating. Are you fully out at this time or just to select people? I was fully out publicly, but kind of had to reel it back in because I realized I'm still a student at BYU-Idaho. So I wasn't public about my relationship or anything, um, just to some people. But um, she grew up, my girlfriend at the time, pretty Mormon. She loved it. She had a testimony, believed in the doctrine. She's since left. So at that time, the CES letter was released, which stated that, like, getting married to the same sex is equivalent to, like, murder and um, adultery and all these really, really terrible things. Quick, uh, sorry, quick correction, not the CES letter, the exclusion policy. Oh, yes, sorry, sorry. Okay. um, It also said... um, if I had a kid who grew up, he couldn't become LDS. He couldn't be baptized in the church until he was 18 and denounced, I shouldn't say him, but they denounced their parents' lifestyle is how they put it. So it took away the choice from our children, which I don't know what child would willingly anyways, but still like it was really heartbreaking for my girlfriend of the time who almost broke up with me because it was so like, my family's going to think I'm an apostate. I'm going to hell like this. I can't get married to you, like all these things. So it was a whirlwind of emotions. For me, I was like, I expect this to be honest. Yeah. But for people, it was really, really hard. And especially with the suicide rate in LGBT communities being so high, that with Mormonism is higher. And then that coming out was just like so damaging for everyone. but yeah that was crazy I forgot about that so uh at the time you're dating uh you're you said you were already kind of take it or leave it with the church would would that be a fair assessment yeah I just still student here so I still had to go (laughs) yeah (laughs) but but your girlfriend she was still girlfriend at the time was pretty still believing and yeah she definitely believed in the doctrine she kind of hated like the culture of the church, but she believed in the scriptures and everything. So it was hard for her. Yeah. And then at this time, do you have anybody in your inner circle or, or close community uh, who, who is also part of the LGBT plus community? Everyone I was friends with, which okay. was a lot of people, but that's when I found USGA and everything. So most people I was around were gay. So it was really okay. hard. Yeah. I, 
how was it for that community at the time? Rough. Um, I know the USDA president of the time was super overwhelmed because so many people were going to him, like, um, so depressed. Like, it, it was groundbreaking for a lot of people. Like, it was forever going to change their family relationships because, you know, families are always like, you shouldn't be this way. And then that comes out and they throw it in your face. Like, see, you're an apostate now. So it was really difficult for everyone in my inner circle. And it just felt like we all just wanted to cry together. Yeah. That's all we had was each other. And it felt scarier to come out than ever. Wow. That's why I started to really rein it back in and go kind of quiet on that front. I mean, my, my, my heart just goes out to you and everyone else who experienced that, that pain at that time. That is just so devastating. Um, you, you've brought up a couple times now a, uh, an organization here in Rexburg called USGA. Um, let's, let's go ahead and dive into that. So what is the USGA and do, what do you know about its history here in Rexburg? Um, its history isn't long. I actually started going um, spring 2015, like the semester I came out, and it had only been a thing for maybe two semesters. Like it was only on its, it might have been its first president when I went. Um, at the time, it stood for understanding same gender attraction. Um, and now, a little bit more of that uh, same moniker we were talking about before. Yes, but it was all we had, so it's what we did. And we met in the back of a Chinese restaurant, Fong's on Maine. Um, it was really cool. There was a lot of people going. We made like friendship bracelets, and we had like. It was, it was every Wednesday and every Saturday at the time. Saturdays were activities, Wednesdays were like discussions. And I really, really liked it. It was maybe like two lesbians and the rest were gay men. Um, it was great. Um, and then Fong's kicked us out and we were kind of bouncing around places for a really, really, really long time. And then they were kind of meeting in the library two years later and then they did like a drag show and the city got really mad. So the library wouldn't renew their stuff and said like, oh, well, we have children meeting here over summer. Like you guys can't meet here. Um, that's what I heard. I guess I shouldn't say that was factual. That's what I've okay. heard. Um, and then I was kind of like placed into presidency. I showed up one day when the president left and they were like, who wants to be president? And everyone was like, Gray should do it. And I was like, okay. And everyone like voted. <laughs> me. And then we landed at the Family Crisis Center. They're wonderful. Um, and I was president for a year. And when I became president, the numbers were at like four people. And then during my presidency, I took the group public for the first time. Like I was advertising through businesses. They were hanging our posters, which was insane. So the group got up to like 70 people. Wow. Which for so, is insane. Go ahead. So in those early years of the USGA, uh, what, what were the meetings like? What was going on? Um, I remember there was one time where you just like presented what represented you. One girl presented like on Pokemon. Like it just was like a get to know you thing. Um, it honestly was really, really cool. I don't remember a lot of discussions about being LGBT, honestly. Um, it was more just like a you make friends kind of a thing at the time. And since then, we've 
Um, the president before me took it in a more lecture hall direction, like people would come speak for two hours. A lot of people didn't like that. He was just trying something new and I totally respect that and it just wasn't working. So we've switched it when I became president that every other week was like a get to know you thing and the weeks in between were like a lesson for an hour instead of two. And what kind of lessons were, were being presented? Um, gay history, um, queers in media, um, some professors would come talk about like queer rights, um, wow. how to make campus safer for queer communities, um, things like labels, why you need them, why you don't need them, just like really broad topics. Um, I think my presidency was the first time we introduced the gender spectrum um because i'm gender fluid so i was like i think it's really time that we and i changed the name from understanding same gender attraction to understanding sexuality gender and allyship um, after, after provo did it i can't take credit for that provo did it um but yeah it's really gone in a lot of different directions um now it's got a new president it's small right now because of coronavirus but it's gone through a lot different meeting places right now they don't have a meeting place again so that's why I started the center. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So yeah, and, and, and we definitely want to get to the center. I'm very excited about that. Um, it, so you mentioned during USGA's growth, you started to actually have some Rexburg businesses uh, helping out. Mm -hmm. um, we printed off like eight by 11 posters and we just would walk around like really shy and like go into businesses and be like, will you hang this in your window? And I remember we walked into a salon and she was like, honey, we're hairstylists. We love gay people. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, there were a couple businesses that were like, we don't like you guys. Like get out. You cause problems for the city. But mostly everyone was like, yeah, sure. And That's I was awesome. absolutely shocked by that. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Any uh, specific shout outs you want to give to some great allies out there? Call out um, the good, not the bad. The hairstylist doesn't exist anymore. The hair salon. A frick. I don't think there's anyone that, <laughs> still that did it. Um, I will say that Soup For You um, on College Avenue, he's such a great ally. He wasn't around at the time. Awesome. He's great. He tries to learn everything. He doesn't know a lot, but he's really like tried to come educate himself. So I would recommend Soup For You. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so big shout out to soup for you in Rexburg. Thank you for your, for your support and allyship. So then I, uh, you know, the, the name of the podcast is Rexburg love. We focus mainly on Rexburg. It is kind of a hub of all these discussions in the Valley. Um, but was there any uh, participation with groups from other areas in the region at all? Um, yeah, the Genesis project in Pocatello, they would come up and do some stuff at USGA they were an all gay man group um and then the student advocacy would do some stuff for us like um, suicide awareness training suicide prevention training um BSU and I and USGA combined a lot they were great um yeah it was just kind of all over the board I really really enjoyed it some drag drag queens would come yeah it was great was that's fun. awesome yeah. So that, uh, you said there was a drag event here in Rexburg? Yes. I wasn't at it, sadly. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I was in the library um, community room. Hmm. Uh, there was like a drag competition with members of the group. It wasn't like 
drag queens came or anything but yeah now when you say library you're talking byu idaho library or madison madison oh my goodness we would never go on campus (laughs) (laughs) so that brings me to my next question during all of this uh, forward movement with uh, the usga and the community uh, and rexburg writ large uh, how were things on campus for you and the community Oh man, um, I actually just tweeted this today. Um, the LGBT community on campus wasn't really a thing when I started going here. Um, I tried to go to therapy for same gender attraction and they told me like, you're not gay, you just have unchecked ADHD. Oh wow. Like they were so dismissive of it. Um, turns out I have both, but it just was so bad. Um, we tried to get USGA on campus because Provo is. Provo's USGA is combined. Absolutely not. They wouldn't even. Um, the president before me worked really, really hard on it, and he was just denied, denied, denied. So I just finally was like, no, we're not even going to try anymore, which I kind of like it better that way because so many people are trying to part ways with the church, and like mm. if it was campus-based it would be watched by professors and they would feel scared because the culture here versus Utah is so different. And, but yeah, it's just, it's probably not ever going to happen. So, so how is the culture here different from that in Utah? It is way more conservative here. Um, if you look up the list of most conservative colleges, Rexburg is one, number one. Oh, wow. Provo is like eight or nine or something, but in Provo, you can, you can drive up to Salt Lake and have a good time. We're stuck. We are stuck here. Um, our honor code, a lot more vague. I get on office. I guess it's the same honor code. But um, so much more vague here. They don't make any statements. They don't do anything. They don't ever speak out. You ask questions, so vague. Like, it's just so different. The school doesn't want to help in any way, shape, or form, which is really sad because I think it could be a really great thing for them. Yeah. But they just won't. So are you comfortable at all going into, uh, you mentioned in your overview, uh, you had a few run-ins with the college as far as suspensions leading up to expulsion. Is there anything you want to expound on with those stories? Yeah. um, There was an honor office protest a year and a half ago after the honor code stories um, went viral. And me and Leanne Larson started those because the first experience we had with the honor office was terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, I actually released a podcast kind of exposing the whole thing, but, um, and, and what podcast was that on? Um, me and Jaren did it. It was just called queer place. Just one episode. That was it. We were one (laughs) so we moved on. Um, but I go over like what happened behind those closed doors was absolutely disgusting. Um, I'd had that guy twice before, but I was never kicked out or anything. Then I got him again because the guy that was supposed to originally have our case went out of town. So, he- so, so real quick, uh, it, when you say you had that guy before in case, uh, break down first a little bit what that means for those who don't understand the honor code and how it functions or sorry, honor code office. Um, so when you violate the honor code, which is a variety of things from curfew to drinking to homosexual behavior, somebody can turn you in or the school finds like a tweet or something and they call you in and you're investigated. You're in an open investigation determining your punishment um, and you're assigned an officer or an administrator. And there's like seven of them in there. 
and I heard that each specific one covers specific things in the honor code. So um, I had this one for drinking and it came out that I was gay. And so that was a whole thing. And then um, a friend I had threw a party that I wasn't even at and she got pulled into the honor office and somehow I got wrapped up into it because I was her ex. So that's when I went in and I got the same guy that I had for drinking, not even drinking, being at a party where there was alcohol the last semester. Gotcha. So because I had already been in, my credibility was shot. Like you're guilty until proven not guilty. It's not the other way around. Like it's really. And so you're sitting behind a door, just you and a man. And he's just writing down everything, asking you questions. He can do whatever you want or whatever he wants. You can't record the conversation at all. Specifically, he asked me to turn off my phone so I wouldn't record it. Wow. Um, They threaten you. Like, they tell you, like, if you go tell your friends what was said in here, like, I'm going to kick you out. Um, He told me that if he was my dad, he wouldn't want me as a child. Oh. Um, he illegally called Leanne's parents because you have to sign a thing saying they can't because you're over the age of 18. They just like can't call them and tell them what happened. But he was so mad at Leanne that he did it anyways. Um, Leanne wanted to sue, like her parents wanted to sue as well. Um, she didn't. She loves the school. So, but um, yeah, it's just really gross what happens behind there. I've heard stories of that same man asking a girl for the nudes that she sent because he needed to see them to know what they were like to determine her punishment he would ask me like what sex positions specifically um just really gross things that that's that's disgusting (laughs) so yeah it's not okay at all absolutely terrible and the thing is is you can get a different punishment based on what officer you get there's not a strict rule or a boundary to follow or anything so it's just whether they like you or not thank you for listening to this episode of the rexburg love podcast we are not yet done with this story please continue to the next episode to hear more